Wow. Let me just share a little bit with you from the Word. I was kind of going through some of my notes, as I sometimes do. I was going through some of my old messages, and I saw something that said the gift of God, and I, I thought, let me look at that. And it was just a, a rough, rough outline that I had, had uh, written and was wondering what, maybe if God wanted me to say something. Oh, I think maybe God wants me to say something about that. And so sometimes that's how my messages come. Sometimes they might come because the Lord woke me up in the middle of the night one night and talked with me. Or sometimes I'm just on a particular book uh, of the Bible. And I was thinking when I, I thought to share on uh, the gift of God, how sometimes we may feel like some of these things are redundant. Um, they're not, they're repetitious, but they're not redundant in the sense that I know what redundancy is because when I would write in the old days, when I was young in, in public school, I would write a paper for the English teacher and she would write on there redundant. And I learned how not to be redundant, Amen. saying the same thing over again needlessly. And so when we preach the gospel, it's not redundancy that we're looking at. We're, we're looking at saying the same things because it's safe for you. And God wants us to keep saying some of the same things, not the same thing every time. I was wrongly accused, as I told you before, when somebody left the church about 30 34 years ago and, and accused me of preaching the same sermon every week. And I, and I told the young lady who said uh, that she left because I was preaching the same sermon. I said, I don't preach the same sermon every week. I preach the same man every week. And, and that's what I want to do. Sometimes you, you use maybe some of the same scriptures, and this time I'm using some of my favorite scriptures. Some of my favorite scriptures are found in John Chapter 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, and go on. <laughs> and so I, I'll have to visit those again. When, and I was, I was thinking about why do you always hear from this pulpit whether I'm preaching or not? And if somebody comes here and they start to preach things and people and stuff and methods and steps and, and formulas and all of that stuff, you, you, you know to just let your ears perk up because that's not what... God has given us. We are living in a day when I believe uh, is the last greatest move of God, maybe the greatest move of God uh, in, a, in a long, long time, if not in 2,000 years, is the desecularization of the church. The desecularization of the church. That is, we're taking worldliness, worldly thoughts. We become so accustomed to worldliness that we don't recognize it sometimes. It's been such a part of it. We think it's a part of Christianity, and it's not a part of Christianity. You know, you may say, well, well Don Lavelle, why do you always say that? Well, John kept saying repent because people needed to. And I think that, that we need to keep saying some of the same things because uh, the time is drawing close. It's nearer than when we began. So why do we show you Jesus rather than always giving you some points and some clever statements that you can remember and put on the internet. Why don't we just always give you an abundance of how to, to uh, be a better you and, and how to uh, get everything you want out of life and, and how to have the bigger house, the bigger car, the bigger boat. 
and how to wear the finest clothes. Why don't we do that? Uh, because uh, I, I, God has given me a different message, and I would say the vast majority of those who stand behind this, as my Baptist brothers would say, this sacred desk, uh, they preach the same message, Jesus. Amen. Jeremiah tells us in Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 15, so this is how I look at it and defend the gospel. He says, and I will give you shepherds according to my heart, who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. So then the best way to have the knowledge of God uh, is through Jesus Christ. And we don't have the knowledge of God by saying, in other words, when we read the Bible and then we say, in other words. No, we want to use God's words. And God, God's word is Jesus Christ. God's word is a man. John tells us that when he says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, now you and I could stop right there and understand from those few uh, expressions that Jesus Christ is the most important figure in the Bible. Therefore, he is the most important figure in the whole of the universe, and he must be the most important figure in our lives. So we want to give you first knowledge and then we want to give you understanding. I, I, would, I was thinking about uh, redundancy uh, when I was thinking about John chapter 4. And I think all of us, if we preach the Bible, you can preach the Bible uh, for a million years. And, and then the, you can read the same scripture. And I believe the Holy Spirit has the ability to give you something you never saw before. That's how amazing this Bible is. And today I'm talking about the gift of God. And in John chapter 4, verse 10, he says, he's talking about the woman at the well. You know, when Jesus, um, the Bible says in John chapter 4, uh, in the first verse, it says Jesus needed to go through Samaria. Jesus needed to go through Samaria. And that means the Holy Spirit was leading Jesus somewhere where Jesus didn't necessarily, as it were, uh, wasn't thinking about going. I mean, he wasn't going to make a point. For you and I, we, we might think, well, I don't want to do such and such, and we don't do it. But when the Holy Spirit is in charge of your life, he, he will take you where sometimes where you don't want to go. That could be a whole other message, by the way. He will take you. And so Jesus, following the Spirit of God, went through Samaria. Now, you underst must understand some context for this because the, the rabbis, the Jewish leaders, uh, who lived in the Galilee area, Capernaum and other places, when they were going to Jerusalem, they didn't go through Samaria. They went on the other side of the Jordan, the east of the Jordan, so they could pass by that place. They did not want to go. This is the filthiest place in the world. They didn't want to be bothered with the Samaritans. And uh, now Jesus, the Bible says, went there and he sat by a well. The Holy Spirit told him, as it were, sit by the well. And he sat by the well and uh, a woman came from Samaria. Now, the Jews did not like women from Samaria, didn't like people from Samaria. They, they were just low down, dirty, so to speak. And uh, Jesus, but Jesus sat there. So the context shows you how sometimes God takes you into a place you don't necessarily want to go. So, um, sometimes God will take you into a, even a troubled situation, and you don't want to be there. Uh, but God wants you there for godly comportment so that you will conduct your life 
perfectly and properly. So here in, in this story, uh, one more thing, the Jews would, would think of a woman of Samaria, uh, of Samaria, no matter how often she showered, she wasn't clean. It didn't matter, you know, how much perfume she used. It didn't matter if she used disinfectant, she wasn't clean. That's how low they thought they were or they, and they acted in such a manner. But Jesus sat down by the well and asked her to give him a drink of water from her dipper. Now, that, that is big. And so that means that you and I should go to people that maybe we think we're a little better than. We should, we should stoop down and help people since we are people of God and we are people of Jesus Christ. So Jesus answered and said to this woman when she said, Who are you? you're, you're a Jew. Jews don't have no, no different dealings with us you know, and so forth. And Jesus says, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. So Jesus is saying, if you knew the gift of God and who it is, the gift of God, if you knew this, you would have had uh, some be- another question, you would have asked, give me this water. Rather, you would have had this, give me this water. He said, you would have asked me, and he would have given you living water. Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9, would say, for by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. So Jesus says to this woman, if you knew the gift of God, if you knew Savior and salvation, you would have asked me, and I would have given you something or someone called living water. For by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. It's not of works, it's a gift. Salvation is a gift. It's a gift. It's a gift. And, he, and so the woman says, sir, uh, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Now, this woman is thinking naturally. She is what we would call conflating the natural and the spiritual. She is bringing them all together. So so she's thinking, oh, naturally, there's something called living water that's natural. And so where do you get this water? So likewise, many of us, our issue, our problem is that we conflate the spiritual and the natural. It's a real problem. Well, Donovan, why are you always preaching about this? Because you're always doing it. So, so the, the message, I don't know that personally, but I know the message is to the church, and I know that the Holy Spirit doesn't keep me up at night just to play games to deprive me of some sleep. I know that. So this is what, what this woman did, uh, did. We tend to do ourselves. Where do you get that living water? What is this living water? Ephesians 1, 3 uh, says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us, past tense, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, Christ himself is the source of living water. Christ is the baptizer into the Holy Spirit. John says he is the one who will baptize you, dunk you under, soak you under in the Holy Spirit. So John, John says Jesus is the baptizer into the Holy Spirit. So Jesus is saying to this woman, if you knew 
the gift of God. And who it is who is saying to you, give me a drink. You would have asked him and he would have given you living water, the Holy Spirit. He would have given you the very Spirit of God. And let's see what happens in this particular text. Because we must understand who the gift of God is and what the gift of God brings to us. Jesus himself is the source of this living water. This woman asks him, are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as well as his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. And so I th the, the thought here is that every natural source of satisfaction and every natural source of thirst quenching it will not satisfy. You will thirst again. So those of us who are looking for satisfaction in this world, we will always be thirsty again. But Jesus says, no, no. Jesus says, the water that I give you, you will never thirst again. So the Holy Spirit is a thirst quencher from heaven. In verse 14, but, if, for, but who, whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him, will never thirst. So those of us who are filled with the Holy Spirit, we should not be thirsty. You know, I, I, I tell you, as I grow older, it's amazing. You grow older physically. You become weaker, maybe in the body. Not terribly, horribly weak, hopefully. But you become weaker in the body, but stronger in the spirit. Stronger in the spirit. All of you who are growing in the Lord, you can do things now in the spirit that you could never do when you were 25. Or you could never do when you were 30. It's amazing. God takes you through things that are crippling, but you come out walking straight. It's amazing how God is. He baptizes you. He fills you with the Holy Spirit. And, and let's find out what he does with the Holy Spirit. It's the gift of God. I, I, you know, there, there are so many believers who just want to somehow discredit uh, great faith, you know, uh, great understanding. We want to discredit it. And I, I've, I've been that, I'm sure, at some juncture in my life. I've, I've wanted to argue with somebody or debate something in the Scripture, but I don't read the Scripture for debate. I read it so that I will know what my inheritance is because God has blessed me with every spiritual blessing. Already I'm blessed. I'm blessed already. My, my mind goes back to when our son, our son was a little boy about five years old and maybe even six, but five or six years old. And one day he came to me, he had a little bit of an impediment, speech impediment. He said, he did, he did, uh, I want a truck. And I said to him, I said, oh, son, I said, okay, well, well next time we buy toys uh, us, I'll get you one. He said, no, no, I'm not talking about that kind of truck. I'm talking about the one you drive. And I remember, and, and I was just marveling at that, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me. He says, when he is of age, I want you to buy him a truck. Now, when he did become of age, I offered, okay, I've got this nice pickup for you. And he said, no, I want a Mustang. And, and so, uh, so I bought him a, a, a 1966 Mustang. But, <laughs> but, but my point is, he was too young for what he had. Yeah, so he was too young to understand. He was too young to drive. He was only five or six years old. So oftentimes we are too immature to receive the blessings. But as we mature, we can receive and handle the blessings of God. 
Amen. Amen. And so, and so we, that's what we study the Scripture for. But the, the Scriptures are full with, filled with blessings. God tells us that, that salvation is the gift of God. It's a gift that God gives you. It's, a, it's something God gives to you. He says, here, here, here. I, he, he saved us. The Bible says that, um, that, that God saved us when we were dead in trespasses and sins. Now, if I'm dead, I can't save myself. And God saved me. If I'm dead, I can't resurrect myself. But God resurrected us, raised us up with Christ, seated us with Christ in the heavenly places. That's our position. That's our position. And we are sometimes, we're so enamored with these uh, ordinary, mundane things of life. We are so wrapped up in the natural that we are forgetting the supernatural, that which supersedes the natural. We're so worried about having things that we forget the most important person, Jesus Christ. Why does this man always talk about Jesus Christ? Because he is the MVP. He is the most important person. Yes, he is. He is. He is our hero. He's the one who saved us from what we couldn't be saved from. Do you need to go back to find out how bad it is? Some one young man who had been healed of drugs. I remember somebody said, oh, I'm just worried about you. I'm worried about you. I'm worried that you might go back. Uh, he said, go back? I sure love it. He said, go back to homelessness? Go back to being so drugged you didn't know where you were? Go back? I'm not going back. So, so Jesus is able to keep us. The Bible says he is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. That's what Jesus is able to do. And Jesus is not only able to do it, he does it. Because if anybody could mess up salvation, it's DGL. Not because I'm such a, a, some kind of a buffoon, but I was just so inclined toward being human. Maybe you're better than I was. So inclined to being human. I always tell people, if, if, if you thought about it, I may have thought about it. If, if you did it, I may have done it or came close to doing it. And if I didn't do it, it was by the grace of God that I didn't do what you did. I realize that because we're all cut from the same cloth. So don't look at somebody and go, ooh, I'd never do that. Without Christ, you'll do anything. That's why I preach Jesus. Hallelujah, somebody. Thank you, Jesus. And so this gift of God is amazing. We just don't know who we are. We don't know what we have. Sometimes we don't know what we can do. We are not born of John and Mary or whomever your parents were. We're not just born of them. That was the first birth. It was a messed up birth. It came out of Adam, a messed up man. That's why God gave us to be born again. So you and I are now born again. We are all here, hopefully, if not, if not soon to be, born again. How were we born? We were born of the Spirit of God. Born of the Spirit of God. Huge, hugely important. Born of the Spirit of God. So that means that, that the Spirit of God engendered us, brought us forth. Wow. I tell you what, I wish I had somebody who knew what that meant. Born of the Spirit. Born of the Spirit. You said, you said that last week. I'm going to say it next week too. Born of the Spirit. We're born of the Spirit. Born of the Spirit. 
Born of the Spirit. That's why God is your dad. God is your father. I said God is not some imaginary father. God is not, and it's kind of like, no, it's not kind of like nothing. God is your proper father. Yeah, because you've been born of the Spirit. Thank you, Jesus, somebody. Wow. Wow. So, Jesus says in verse 14, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. I mean, is Jesus telling the truth or not? Jesus is the truth. Whatever he opens his mouth to say is truth. Why? When you are the truth. See, you, are, you and I tell the truth. Jesus is the truth. Listen here. He says, but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. And so the Holy Spirit now is a fountain of water. That's why we are renewed every day. That's why we get stronger every day. That's why the years don't make us weaker, but the years we get stronger and stronger and stronger. Why? Because Jesus has implanted. He's the first doctor who implanted something. He implanted the Holy Spirit in us, and that implant is still there. That implant's not going to leave. Why? Because Jesus did it, and there's nobody that can undo what Jesus does. Hallelujah. Somebody help me here. You can't undo what Jesus does. Help me, help me, help me, help me. Who's going to undo what Jesus does? When I was a little boy, I was arguing this point with somebody, a young man actually. I was arguing this point with some man, and I said, but you can. No, because I'm somebody. I cannot undo the work of God. He promised something. He He did not promise with a condition. It's an unequivocal promise. This is why I will save you from your sins. Hallelujah. I'm going to leave that one there for right now. I'm going to save you. He saved me from my sins. Now you say, well, how sure of you? I will be in heaven one day with all of you saved people. Well, how do you know you ain't going to mess up? I can't mess up what Jesus fixed up. That's, that's the gospel. It's not good news if I could mess it up or you can mess it up. It's not good news to be saved for a few days and lost the rest of your life. It's not good news. But Jesus Christ is good news, somebody. Hallelujah, somebody. The gift of God. He's the gift of God. He's the gift of God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. It's amazing God. Amazing God. You will never thirst. But it's, it's a fountain. And Jeremiah says, for my people. Now listen to what Jeremiah says. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me. What? The fountain of living waters. What? and hewn out for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. But listen to what happened. Listen to what happened. So, so God, the Father, is, is this living water. He's this fountain of living water, and they won't come to him. And so it's like God says, okay, I, I'm not going to be beside them. I'm not going to be near them. I'm going to be in them. And so the Holy Spirit didn't come to, to hold my hand. The Holy Spirit came to be in me, to be my life, to keep me, 
even when I didn't know I needed to be kept, he was in me to deliver me when I didn't know I needed to be delivered. And, and now I am not thirsty and dry, but I'm filled with the eternal source of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has, did not come to rent a space. He did not come to lease a space. He came because he's the owner. Jesus, my house cannot fix itself up, but I own it. I fix it. I keep it. Hallelujah, somebody. Somebody. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus is contrasting his water from all other water. Whoever drinks from his source will have a self-sustaining supply. Self-sustaining. Jesus sustains himself and he sustains us. His water is inexhaustible and eternal. It's not short term. I want you to know it's not short term. How many of you, and I'm going to go to my seat in a minute or so, but how many of you have ever in this Christian journey, you, it was tough, it was hard, and it was like you weren't going to make it. And, you say, and, and if you're like me, I say, God, I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to make it. And one time I said, I'm not going to make it, Jesus. I, he said, you're going to make it. I said, no, I'm not going to make it. And I, said, I said that. I was a young man. I'm not going to make it. He said, you're going to make it. He said, I've already spoken. You're going to make it. You, we have to grow. And you know what? I had the audacity, the nerve, or just the plain ignorance of saying, well, you shouldn't have said that because I'm not going to make it. And you know what? 50 years later. 50 years later. What's that song? This is my testimony. From death to life. This is my testimony. What kind of testimony do you have? I have a testimony of going through tests and come out. All right. There's a song we used to sing when I was a boy. He brought me out. All right. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You see, we must stop conflating the world's thoughts. The enemy is after our minds. He is after our thinking. He's attacking our brains. He's doing everything to cause us, uh, us to, to falter, to give up hope. But this is what I know, that I am not, as it were, so much holding on to hope as hope is holding on to me. I will tell you, that's been my life. Hope is holding on to me. I have lived long enough to know that when you are in Christ, you are in, and you've got, you, there are many different experiences, but Jesus will keep you. He is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory. He is the gift of God. He is the gift of God to us. Hallelujah. He is the gift of God. He is the eternal supply. That's why when I'm broken, I keep on going. I'm almost done. I'm almost done. Thank you, Jesus. This woman says, sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. She still didn't have full understanding, but she was on the way. You may not have full understanding, but be on the way. Don't let the cares of this life and this world pull you away from sound thinking. 
sound believing. This is amazing. This woman was on her way. Let, let, me, let me hurry here. I want to hurry, as it were, to a close. You know, the eternal God was there talking to her, offering her eternal life, and she was still stuck in the natural. Now, those of us who are here should not still be stuck in the natural. We are supernatural. How do I know? Because we've been born of God. And John tells us, everyone who is born of God overcomes the world. Now... What about overcoming the world don't we grasp? Everyone who is born of God overcomes the world. Not some of those who are born of God, but everyone. Hallelujah, somebody. Thank you, Jesus. This is a mighty God we serve. It's the gift of God. And may the, may the Holy Spirit, whom Jesus sent from heaven. I, I, I love the story when he told his disciples, and I really am going to my seat. But I, I, I love the story when Jesus told his disciples. He says, I'm going away. And, and so he said, you know, you know the way. And, and, and who was that? Was it Philip? Says, how, how do we know the way? How, how, how do we know where you're going? How do we know the way? He said, uh, I am the way. I'm the truth and the life. And nobody comes to the Father except through me. And then he says, he said, now look, boys, when I get to heaven, I'm going to go to heaven. And when I get there, I'm going to send you the comforter, Pericletos. I'm going to send you the comforter. And uh, you'll know that I arrived where I told you when the Holy Spirit comes, when the gift of God comes for you, when the eternal fountain comes, you will know. And the Bible says on, the, on that tenth day after his departure, it was the day of Pentecost. On the day of Pentecost, the Bible says something happened. Jesus kept his word. And Jesus, the Jesus who says, I will never leave you nor forsake you, keeps his word. He keeps his word. Let's go through whatever we're going through. Let's go through it for the glory of God. Let's go through it. Why? Because we are born of God. We are born of God. We are born of God. Hallelujah, somebody.